you know, weightlifting is an art form. It's about how strong you can be, but how efficient you can be moving sure. the bar. And so I'm, a, true. I'm a technician by training. And when I'm coaching someone, it's not all about reps and sets. It's about feeling. It's about being connected. It's about being present in training. And I, I, I coach those things. The wins that you have every day, not just the performance that you have at the end of a cycle, whether you PR or not, what did you learn in the training cycle that makes you a better athlete, a better competitor, a better person? And so that's that was the concept behind Optimized Strength. I felt like I needed something that communicated what I want to be known for as, a, as an exercise physiologist, as a coach, and as a professional. This is Strength in the Details, a podcast that goes beyond the classic debate on reps, sets, and exercise programming, and focuses on aligning what matters most in your training, nutrition, mindset, and lifestyle. I'm your host, Dr. Anaja Newsom, founder of Optimize Strength. I'm a PhD with a focus in the exercise and health sciences, a coach, and weightlifting athlete. With more than a decade of professional experience in sport and fitness, I truly believe that the impact of mental skills, motivation, and self-efficacy are often overlooked and underappreciated in exercise behavior change, sport performance preparation, and everyday coaching practices. You deserve to feel strong in the gym and beyond. And on this podcast, we dive in to the mental aspects of exercise, training, and sport performance. So join me as I invite industry experts, elite athletes, and coaches, and researchers to a conversation about the gritty details. Welcome back to another episode of Strength in the Details. My name is Dr. Anajanusam, and I am here with Dr. Jessica Beal, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite guests and friends. How are you? I'm good. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm so excited that you're here. Um, And for those that are listening, they can't see how hard we are smiling because we actually just had a conversation for 45 minutes before we decided to press record. (laughs) Should have recorded it. It was so good. Yeah, that should have been the episode. But um, here we are yet again. Um, Jess, I'm so excited to have you here because this episode is going to be a little different, whereas I am not hosting. I am actually going to be the guest and you are going to host Strength in the Details. Really excited about that. I'm super excited. This would be fun hosting a podcast and thanks for letting me have the honor of hosting your podcast. I'm even more excited to be able to be a part of what you're going to get to talk about today. So shall we get to the exciting part of the podcast? Let's the, do it. Uh, Let's, let's start with a little bit about, just in case there's some new people on that haven't joined in, let's give everybody just like a quick um, hello, tell us a bit about background and a little bit about who you are. This is weird being on the other side. Um, <laughs> who am I? I'm, I'm usually the person that just kind of sits behind the microphone and gets to talk to all these cool people. Um, but I am a researcher in exercise physiology, uh, mainly in mental health, uh, depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder. Um, and I really enjoyed the aspect of learning how exercise fits into just everyday life. Um, my background is in exercise science, kinesiology, physiology, um, and I, in my 
grad work, I did a lot of psychology theories of behavior change, um, how to get more people to participate in physical activity. That's kind of the educational background that got me to where I am right now. I am the founder of Optimize Strength, which we'll talk a little bit about. I am the host of this podcast. I am a coach at Only Concepts here in the greater Orlando area. Um, so as many people that do know me know, I do a whole lot of things um, all the time. So, But I'm really excited to just focus on um, kind of optimize strength and what that's what that is about and where that kind of came from. Um, I really believe that health is the one of the most important things that we have, and it is one of the things that we have control over. And I think that the more people understand just how much control they have over their their health and their wellness and their well being and how precious it actually is, um, the more longevity they have, the more um, freedom they have to really experience life and experience it to the fullest. And I think that's kind of the, the mindset behind everything um, that I that I do. I was going to say, you always, I feel like you preach what you teach to so many people. And obviously being a pharmacist myself, um, I see a lot of people taking their health for granted until it's a little bit too late um, or they're in this like situation and they feel like they should have, could have, would have um, done a few years ago. So um, I'm really excited to hear what you have to offer to the community. And um, I know this was a little bit of like a, since it's your birthday month, this was kind of a exciting time to bring out this new exciting program that you have. So um, you've hinted at like some new colors and some new branding as you used to have coaching kilos that you've now changed over and rebranded to optimize strength. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about where did the term or the idea of optimize strength come from? Why did you choose to rebrand? Coaching kilos came from um, a brainstorming session. I really wanted to impact the weightlifting community from a nutrition standpoint. Um, and that's where it started coaching um, nutrition specifically for more elite athletes who were competing in a weight class sport, as you know, Olympic weightlifting um, is, all, is about lifting the most amount of weight, but it's also doing it at certain body weights. And so the name Coaching Kilos came about, um, and it was primarily for that. It was primarily about nutrition coaching. Um, I did some weightlifting coaching, some remote coaching, and I still do. Um, but that, that brand, that business, that name um, grew quickly in a I want to say about two years. And so COVID and the pandemic and the lockdowns and, you know, I feel like a lot of people pivoted to remote training, remote coaching, and that the proliferation of that also allowed my business to grow, which I'm, I'm very thankful for because we learned that we could connect with people from, you know, all different parts of the world and the country. Um, and you didn't have to necessarily be in person to do that. And so my business grew and I started reaching um, a lot of different athletes, primarily women athletes that I, I, I tend to work with, um, not exclusively, but primarily that's who I, I find that I'm connecting with. Um, and there were a couple of clients that I, I was working with that um, came to me and their idea behind nutrition coaching um, was, was interesting. And it was one that I felt was very uh, static and it was very um, unidimensional. 
And the reason that I say that is their idea of working with a nutrition coach was very much about losing weight. It was about dieting. It was, I want to work with a nutrition coach because I want to lose weight. And I took that at face value. And as I was working with them, what I learned was that it wasn't necessarily that they wanted to lose weight. It was that they wanted to be more competitive in their weight class. Um, they wanted to be, feel stronger. They wanted to move better. They wanted to win medals, right? Like as athletes, that's what we want to do. We compete (laughs) and we, we want to win. And, and one particular athlete I asked you after we had worked together for maybe five or six weeks, I asked her what else she was doing to actually improve her performance. Um, and there was nothing like, and, and this isn't necessarily like reflective of her not being a good athlete, but it's that she wasn't really articulating all of the different areas that kind of go into being a strength athlete, being a competitor. And we had a probably like an hour conversation about all of the things that she could be doing um, in conjunction with attempting to lose body fat and lose weight that could help prove her, uh, improve her performance. And, and so we talked about things like improving sleep. We talked about, uh, we actually designed a bedtime routine that she would follow. I love um, it. That, yeah, and, and, and after she did it for like seven days straight, she was like, oh my God, coach, I feel myself going to bed at the same time, waking up at the same time. I feel recovered. I feel fresh. I feel organized for my day. I feel organized that I can just grab my meals. I can go, I'm out the door and I'm ready. So it was, it was, it was a really profound moment for her because it was not the training. It was not the weight loss. It was this other thing that was helping her optimize her performance or optimize her strength. She was lifting better. Um, Then we actually took her uh, macro profile back to maintenance. She was in a a calorie deficit for quite some time, but we took her back to maintenance and we changed some of the quality of the foods that she was eating. There's this, there's this myth about calories in calories out. That's how you lose weight, right? (laughs) Like just as long as you fit in, it can fit into your macro profile. That's all that matters. And when you want to look at the basics of nutritional sciences, yeah, yeah. You can eat total crap be in a calorie deficit and probably still lose weight, right. but you're not going to feel good. You're not going to feel recovered. You're not going to, you know, perform well. And so we, we took her back to maintenance, changed the quality of her food and she PR'd her back squat. She was recovering better. She was sleeping better. She was feeling better. And so like the list can go on, but what I realized was that a lot of times when people are coming to you in a service industry, and that's what nutrition coaching is, it's a service industry. When people are coming to you for help, they sometimes don't know what they need help with. And they yeah. have an idea of what they need help with. And I started thinking, I don't want to be known as the weight loss coach. I don't want to be known for just helping people lose weight or diet constantly or cut every single meat. I want to help people optimize their performance. And sometimes that does mean losing weight. 
but sometimes it could mean gaining weight. Sometimes it could mean building muscle. Sometimes it could mean just changing our everyday routines to help us maximize that time in training. And so this idea of optimizing strength really came from the idea that sometimes people don't know what they don't know. And Mm -hmm. I want to be that coach that helps really um, change behaviors and change ideologies to help them maximize the benefits and maximize their performance that they didn't even, you know, the potential that they may have, may not even know that they had. Um, And so that's where Optimize Strength came from. Um, It's not just about coaching kilos. It's not just about you know, the, the number on the bar. And I'm sure we're going to talk about this at some point, even (laughs) in training, it's not about building brute strength. You know, weightlifting is an art form. It's about how strong you can be, but how efficient you can be moving the bar. And I'm a a technician by training. And when I'm coaching someone, it's not all about reps and sets. It's about feeling, it's about being connected, it's about being present in training. And I, I, I coach those things, the wins that you have every day, not just the performance that you have at the end of a cycle, whether you PR or not, what did you learn in the training cycle that makes you a better athlete, a better competitor, a better person? And so that's that was the concept behind Optimized Strength. I felt like I needed something that communicated what I want to be known for as a, as an exercise physiologist, as a coach, and as a professional. That is, I've actually never heard the exact story of like where it came from. So it's strength in so many different ways. Like you're talking about strength, like maybe physical strength, but you're talking mental strength. You're talking like strength and making sure you can get through life. Like you're talking about dealing with stressful situations and handling so many different things. So I feel like it's optimized strength with like an asterisk. Just hearing that story, I love it. I had no no idea where it actually came from. So um, it's it's oh my gosh. Yeah, so, as much as we talk, it's it's interesting. Like I don't know that I fully have articulated it to anyone. I mean, probably my husband um, because he has to listen to me go through all of these like <laughs> light bulb moments. Um, but I, it, it really just kind of like transitioned, and I found myself you know, I not, there's so many things that we can learn in training, right? There's, there's, there's so many things that we can learn about ourselves through the adversity of training, through missing a lift. How, how do you train your mindset when things are tough in, in life? And when you're going through challenges personally on your job, in your relationships, and that shows up in your training, how do you overcome those? Do you, do you quit? Or do you fight through? Do you do you know how to adjust? Do you know how to take the small wins? All of those things help us optimize our strength, like, like you said, in the gym, but also in life. Like, how do you navigate those challenging situations in life? I think that says so much about who you are as a person. And, and that's that's my philosophy behind coaching. I'm coaching the person. Yes, I'm a weightlifting coach. Yes, I, I, you know, but I, I want athletes that work with me to learn something about themselves. And if I can do that, then I've done my job, whether you have uh, excelled in the sport of weightlifting or not, whether you become an elite athlete or not, if I can help you learn how to be a stronger person, then I've done my job. I love that. I feel like 
um, having obviously having set or been in a pharmacy for so many years, there's so many people that as adults that you see with chronic diseases that are missing out on some of that. Like I have customers, you're dealing with depression, you're dealing with anxiety, you're dealing with diabetes, with everything. And like, you often see them needing a lot of the skills that as an athlete, you also need. So, um, it's just interesting seeing that, like looking both ways, being an athlete and a pharmacist, seeing both sides of like these patients with chronic diseases, if they had the nutritional understanding may not be in this situation. If they understood how to use movement in the correct way, um, you often talk about a lot of the stuff that you coach is pretty much stuff that's like overlooked and often underappreciated sleep. I mean, I don't know how many times a day you talk about how important sleep is for your health, for helping your body recover, helping control your hunger, all your hormones, so much stuff. Mm -hmm. But you, you know, this is a thing that a lot of coaches may overlook or not appreciate. And you're making sure that these little things are being looked at and talked at, which is super cool. So, um, I feel like the athletes get so much more than just weightlifting coaching from you. Um, I know as part of optimized strength, you have this stepwise progression for, um, athletes coming into the program, whether it's seeing where they fit in. So, um, it's called build. I mean, sorry, I did that incorrectly move, build, optimize, and perform. So can you explain your vision behind these progressions, where it came from and just kind of how the program works? Yeah, absolutely. So optimized strength is actually a framework. It is evidence-based. It's based on a theory. I don't know how many people have um, heard of the social determinants of health um, no. or the, Why don't you explain a little bit, yeah. the social determinants of health. There are a lot of different things, the built environment, um, your access barriers, everyone experiences different, um, different barriers or, or that, that determine their health status, you know, their, okay. their cultural norms, their cultural beliefs, their, their past experiences. Um, and I, I I'm not going too deep in it, but if, if you're interested, I'll, I'll tag it in the show notes. Um, but the social determinants of health basically say that not everyone is the same. Not everyone shows up to the gym the same, whether, regardless of the, what they say, they, they want to be a weightlifting athlete, great. But everyone comes with these different ideologies about weightlifting, preparedness about weightlifting, access to weightlifting spaces. Um, and then when we talk about all of those things that kind of go into optimizing strength, we talk about sleep, we talk about nutrition, we talk about social support. Um, everyone's background is different when they come to the table. And so the optimized strength framework, first and foremost, um, recognizes that everyone is individual. And when I am coaching someone and going through health coaching processes, I want to understand what those things are. And if, if you apply for coaching, some of the questions that are asked are, what does health even mean to you? Um, where, what is you, what have you done before or in the past that got you to this point? Um, what does your everyday life look like? Are you a mom with a new newborn? Are you a, a former athlete that is coming back from injury? Are you somewhere remote in your garage and you just introduced yourself to this concept? <laughs> 
do you have parents that were athletes growing up and it's this expectation that you are also an athlete and involved in sports? Um, do you have the financial resources to um, stick with this long-term? Because it does get expensive, especially for those that want to compete and travel and things like that. Um, unfortunately, as big as, you know, weightlifting is getting, not everyone, you know, only the top 10% are, are financially supported to do this thing that they love. And so, so money kind of comes into that, that conversation. And so all of these determinants of, of health show up in my coaching practices because I, I need to understand um, where someone starts from. As a matter of fact, I have a co- uh, an athlete right now who, you know, cultural and religious factors play a lot in, and she, she is very proud of her culture and her, her spirituality and her family values. And that's important to her. So it's important to me as a coach. And I need to make sure that I acknowledge that. And I want to make sure that I honor that in my coaching practices. And so in the optimized strength, strength framework, there's an ecological approach to everything we do. And the idea is that we start with your lifestyle. What does your lifestyle say? What are your priorities? What are your values in your lifestyle? And then we then look at your mindset. You know, what are your, what are your goals? What, what are the psychological aspects? Uh, You talk about growth versus fixed mindset um, and the principles that go um, into that. And then we look at your nutrition your recovery, your sleep, all of the things, the physical things that kind of go into um, training. And then contrary to what most people believe, training is a very small part of that optimized strength framework. Because what you do for one hour or two hours pales into in comparison to your food, your mindset, your lifestyle, your, your social support, your family dynamics. And, and I really believe that people need to understand that they can't fit and fix or change <laughs> their lifestyle based on what they do for 90 minutes a day. To change that mindset and it's the rest of the day, it's the, do you sleep for eight hours? Do you sleep for seven hours? How do you control your stress? Like, I love that that's how you're really, you're going about it the big picture and looking at training is just a portion of it. Mm -hmm. And, and those things shift, right? Like we, we can't force our lifestyle to, to change in certain ways. Like, like I said, if you're a college student and you have five classes and you have to be on campus, you have to study and you have to take these tests. One, your stress is going to be high Two, You're always you know, going about, so you might be eating on the go, you know, maybe your training schedule is not consistent. You don't train every day at 4 PM. That's not realistic. And so as a coach, I need to understand that so that I can help you maximize or optimize your training to fit your lifestyle. If you're a new mom with a one-year-old at home, you, you may not be able to make it to the gym five days a week, like you could when you did not have a child. And like, we have to work to one, adjust your mindset to understand that your lifestyle has changed, be okay with that. Then we have to make sure that you're prioritizing the nutrition, the sleep, the recovery, all of those physical aspects. And then once you do that, let's figure out how your training fits into all of that so that it all, so that it doesn't stress you out. Because what I, and this came, this actually, this framework came from a client who I've been 
she is actually my one of my very first weightlifting athletes been training with her training her for about five years so i've cool. seen i've you've seen, seen the whole change. thing you've seen, seen this, the change. changes in life i've seen her graduate from college then she got married the next year so planning a wedding traveling she's from um africa so she was traveling back and forth a lot to her home country so okay. what does that look like that changes then you know she trained consistently for two years competed all the, but then she had a baby and coming back from having that baby postpartum looked very different training than it did. Pre but she, she missed that connection. She was still very much, coach, I need to train five days a week. But I have this human that is, <laughs> like that is, is uh, dependent attached on me. <laughs> yeah, kind of dependent. And it's attached to me. And so we've actually spent a lot of time working to understand and help her shift her priorities, reevaluate her goals. And, and I have a, a podcast episode on goal setting. And there's a, there's a part of that that I feel like we skip so much. We have to reevaluate our goals because oh, so true. when we set our goals and then life shifts on us, it is okay to say, okay, that's no longer a goal. And I feel like as athletes, as competitive athletes, sometimes we don't do that. I'm guilty of it. Yeah. This is my guilty. goal. I said this was my goal in January and I'm not letting that go. Yeah. But but X, Y, and Z has happened. And now it's okay to say, all right, let me tweak that goal a little bit. Let me add mm -hmm. a little bit of time. You know, maybe I maybe I can't compete in November, but I can compete next March. And that's okay. That's and okay. so so I worked with her a lot to, to help shift her and make sure that those four elements of the optimized strength framework aligned. And then you fast forward, so you now have this framework and once all of those things align, we have to figure out what stage are you in? And that's where the move, build, optimize, perform comes in. Um, move very much says you gotta start somewhere. So that's hard for a lot of people is just that I think starting, but also building the habit, mm -hmm. um, you know, just building like, Hey, I'm going to go show up in this place, wherever that is in a gym, in your garage, on your front sidewalk for 30 minutes or five minutes today mm -hmm. and 10 minutes next week. I feel like that just the, that is the, that's the hardest part for a lot of people, but it's one that you can, as seeing somebody doing it, neighbor, friend, um, one of my patients, like being able to encourage them and knowing that someone's doing that can give so much, so much motivation to those clients too. Yeah. Um, in addition to just getting started sometimes in the beginning of anything, we can be, we can be an experienced exerciser, but new at weightlifting, right. Or we yeah. can be oh, yeah. an experienced exerciser, but new at gymnastics. So yep. there, there's a starting point. So you have to get started and you have to move, move your body, get used to certain movements, mm -hmm. um, set a good foundation. Uh, I get a lot of athletes who they start and they want to hit 100. They, my, my PR is this coach and I want to hit that number. Well, first we need to adjust, we need to address functional movements, the foundation, the baseline. We need to establish that. 
where are you right now? We need to look at functional movement screenings. Um, we need to look at a, a work capacity. Where are you right now? And that's what MOVE is about. It's about building a foundation, core strength, basic push, pull, hinge, squat, that press, like those foundational movements, moving your body weight. Like some, some, for some people, that's where they are. They need to just be able to understand and become aware of their body. Um, after that, we move into build. Okay. And it's just like what it says. We are adding complex movements. We're building consistency with those things. We are building our self-efficacy with those things. We are maybe adding on movements that we haven't really done before. Um, they're, they may be harder. They may be um, more progressive in nature. We may go from three days a week in move to four days a week, a week in build. So it's, mm -hmm. it's a step. Um, and the primary uh, goal in build is to build self-efficacy to not necessarily to be confident. It's to understand that you can navigate when things get challenging, when your schedule is changing five times a month, can you adjust your training to accommodate that? When your school schedule and you have a big test coming up and you need to study for it, in build, we're building the self-efficacy to know that you know how to switch your training around to still reach your goal, but knowing that sometimes difficulties arise. I feel like that applies to life so much and positive habits and like you said, it applies to sleep. A lot of people are like, oh, I have a, like, I need to go to bed earlier. So, you know, showing that in a program and then applying that to other areas of your life and building self-efficacy and all of that is huge. And obviously, you know, I did build with you. So yeah. speaking from personal, like I'm not only a friend, but I'm a client, like, <laughs> yeah. but, um, having come back from an injury and just not feeling comfortable getting back into training at a high level, but also realizing that I had like not, I had let my habit of being in the gym every day. I had started, you know, swimming or walking or, you know, working on posts for things that on social media for myself. And so I had gotten out of that commitment to myself and realizing that that build program was just that of like, building the foundations back and challenging enough with movements. Um, some of the movements I, I seriously had never done. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, this, this is challenging. Like the, like glue bridge press thing. I was like, I don't even know how to do this. <laughs> and like you said, you have to be a beginner at some things. Like I can Olympic weight lift, but like, could I do a bitch press? I was like, nope. <laughs> I mean, I was able to, but <laughs> yeah. And that's like so important that I mean, come on, let's, let's tell the people who you really are. You hold a, a, a world record, like, yeah. come on. So in weightlifting, and then we have to then backtrack and reestablish yeah. that foundation. And yeah. that happens at any stage of life, Correct. your career, yeah. your athletic career. And I think that it's humbling for sure. It's like, oh. It's humbling. When I came back from my hip injury and I could barely squat the barbell, I was like, I was squatting 300 pounds at one point. <laughs> and now here I am with like a hundred pounds yeah. on this bar and I'm struggling, you know? So, so like, that's what this, that's what these steps are. And so when yeah. you move from build, 
we're focusing on self-efficacy and short-term goals. Yep. Can you stay consistent for four months? Can you, um, can you, can you show up for yourself? Can you build on these complex movements and do them well? Mm-hmm. And then we move to optimize. Optimize is where you are, things are, are, are running, you know, okay. we, we have, we've navigated life's challenges. We are moving like a well-oiled machine. Maybe we have some long-term goals, some six month and, and 12 month goals in there that we are trying to um, attain. We're okay. adding more complex weightlifting, powerlifting types of movements in there. We're, we're building to one rep maxes. Um, we, you know, we're moving and grooving and optimize. Yeah. And the idea of optimize is that we may have some very specific goals at this point. Move okay. is very general. Build is, is more general and it's very like fitness, strength and conditioning. Optimize, we may have a goal that we want to compete in a powerlifting meet, or Mm -hmm. we want to really get stronger in the front squat. And and so those very specific goals are dialed in um, to the programming. And so you'll start to see, this is, I actually did a post on this not too long ago, but you'll start to see repetitive programming because it's not about doing a lot of things. It's about doing a few things really, really well and getting good at them. So that's what you'll see in Optimize, um, in the Optimize tier You'll start to see, you know, a six week program where, you know, every couple of weeks you're doing the same movements and you're just building on them. You're building weight, you're adding weight, you're adding more complex movements. Maybe you're adding some, some, um, balance, um, in there. Um, you're improving or increasing your aerobic conditioning, because I believe regardless of your sport, you need aerobic capacity. So as oh, yeah. lifters, you need some cardio in there. Um, I'll you gotta just... chase after your dog. You gotta chill <laughs> for me. You gotta chase after my dog. I gotta be able to hike. Like I need to, I need some cardio of some sort for something. Cardio is not doing doubles. It is not. Um, it is not doing doubles on a need to mom either. It is getting out and doing some steady state, some some interval training, some hiking, some biking, some swimming. And I and I believe you need that in there. And so optimize you, you have that aerobic yeah. conditioning in there. Okay. Um, and then the fourth tier is very, it's, it's very much like optimize, except we got an end date and we have a competition in 12 weeks, or we have a competition in four months, or we have a race that we're doing. We have something that we are aiming for. And so it's periodized accordingly, um, to make sure that you peak in that for that performance, for that competition. Um, we are practicing competition. We are practicing mental skills related to competition. Um, and so it's a very um, high level um, performance-based in-date uh, specific type of program. Okay. And, yeah. and I believe that we, we all get to that point at some point, but there are some people that may be there more frequently or may only go there once every other year. And, and yeah. so for the most part, people will stay and optimize. Okay. I was going to ask that, like you may never, or may only once or twice move to perform, but you would optimize is more like a maintenance continuing towards your goals. Yeah. Um, and perform is going to be that, like pushing yourself a little bit past that to, yeah. to, a, like you said, do a meet once, do a race, do something challenging and yeah. it may or may not be for you. Yeah. Um, but, and that's okay. And you can, but try it and see, but you, you would say uh, optimizes, uh, again, like you said, optimize strength, 
the the maintenance the bulk of the pro of the foundation yeah absolutely um and 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 people will stay in those different phases for different amounts of time okay. move is built to you can repeat that typically 12 weeks is what i see people do okay. move um and then they go into build build they can stay anywhere from 12 weeks to 12 months um just really depends on how many days a week they're training what their goals are uh, remember that some people are training to perform and compete and some people are training just to feel good and move their body and and feel strong and and to perform better in life and so some yeah. people are just like hey i like these movements i like four days a week i'm going to stay and build um, and some people will get to that optimized and they're like, I want to train very specifically. I like this. I want to, you know, stay here. And, and that's cool too. Yeah. So I know a lot of your clients have been females. Um, are you getting clients? How do you get past that barrier of a lot of women get fearful of like a barbell and weights? Like, I feel like that is a lot of people are like, Oh, I don't want to lift weights. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I'm going to get like, how, how do you kind of work through that with somebody? Yeah. Um, so this, it's interesting because I want, I feel like I'm a walking billboard for lifting weights and barbell. And I often get a lot of my clients because they've seen a video, they've seen me lifting and they're like, I'm intrigued. Tell me more. Okay. okay. And so I, I feel like I have to be the, 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 I'm the ad, you know, I'm the, I'm the Facebook ad, yeah. but I, I also believe that you can't just tell people that weightlifting is good for them. You have to speak in a language that makes sense to them. I remember yeah. having a conversation with, um, a female athlete who was taking a class and I asked her what her goal was. And she said, I want to be toned. And okay. I said, okay. I okay. said, what does that mean? Well, you know, she shows me pictures. I said, okay, that's what we want. Okay, so so you want to build muscle and decrease your body fat. And she goes, Well, I don't want to build muscle. I don't I don't want to be bulky. I just want to be toned. And uh after I got through my confusion, um, I I had to <laughs> get back in character. Um, I said, Okay, so you want to look like this, you want to be toned. And she said, yeah, and I want to be strong. And so I stopped referring to lifting weights. I said, okay, this isn't a lifting weights program. This is Get a stronger. strong program. We're going to be strong. And in order to do that, these are the type of movements, not exercises, movements right. that we're going to do to feel strong. And just in communicating with her in a way that she understood mm -hmm. in a way that was meaningful to her yeah. convinced her that okay well if that's how I get strong feel strong get toned then that's then what I'll do that's what and, I'll do and now she I think did a three rep max deadlift at 200 pounds the other day wouldn't touch a barbell before <laughs> last Christmas when I met her. Um, and so that, that's just what a, a testament to, it's not about forcing people to lift weights. It's about hearing what people want. And 99% of the time, women want to feel strong yeah. and they want to be strong and they want to look strong. 
And when you tell them and educate, I'm big on education. I love, like, there's some coaches out there that are like, don't ask me why. Don't ask me why I programmed that. Please (laughs) ask me why I did it. Please ask me why we are doing this. Because if I can educate you, if I can teach you, if I can get you to buy in through understanding it, you'll do it on your own. I don't have to force you to do anything. Um, because you now understand why I've programmed it that way, or you understand why we're doing that movement. And if those, if that why matches your goals, then now you're autonomous to make a choice. If you don't do it, then, okay, maybe the, maybe your goals aren't what you say your goals are, but if you do, you know, you know, you get what I'm saying? Just like, no, no, no. I totally understand. Education is, is the most important factor of any coach. And that's, that is why I believe that I, I have to educate when, mo- when, my, when I get female clients who are like, I don't want to be, be big and bulky. I don't want to lift heavy weights. My mom is, she'll kill me. I don't know. She's like, <laughs> Hi, mom, sorry. Maybe 55, maybe 60, something like, I think she's between 55 and 60. We'll just go with that. Don't do that. We won't say real age. Um, well, I don't know. She turned 50. You know, my mom is very, very, very clear about the fact that she's turning a certain age every year. I just can't remember. We had a big <laughs> birthday bash for her 50th. And then I forgot after I lost track after that. Um, but, but my mom is, let's call it almost six years old and squats like, like just as much as I do. I mean, my mom came Seriously? to visit me. I love it. My mom came to visit me and I'm training in the garage and I'm like warming up. I have 75, 80 kilos on the bar. And she goes, I want to try that. My mom squats like 80 kilos for five cold. And I'm like, mom, come on. Whoa. Um, I was, I was impressed. And also it forced me to like put weight on the bar. I was like, oh, I have to do more than that. I have to can't let my mom that. out squat me. Can't let my mom out squat me. So it's about education. And, yeah. and my mom knows my mom believes in this idea of feeling strong and, and I, you know, social, social media society, culturally, we're taught as women that we need to be small and dainty and feminine and and all those things and I just believe there is something about being strong that is so feminine and 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 I want to empower other athletes to feel that yeah Yeah. I was gonna say I feel like uh it's so it's so feminine but it's also so beautiful to see somebody so strong and confident I feel like as your strength increases confidence increases a lot you see um, women just carrying themselves upright a little bit more, a little bit more of like, Hey, I got this, like life can throw stuff at me. I'm strong. Um, but I agree with you about society telling people, or especially women that you need to be smaller. You need to be less, you don't need to hold as much space. Um, and like even talking with like high school athletes, um, that a lot of them are like, I can't, I can't be bigger. I can't get bulky. And I'm like, no, we need, we need nutrition to, to perform and to reach your goals. And I think, you know, that just, just, it's just, how do you change the narrative? And I think the best way is through education, like you're doing and getting out there and showing people that it doesn't make you bulky. <laughs> and if it does, who cares? Take who cares? up the space. I, I was going to say, I get bulky. Like, I don't, Own there's it. nothing. I, you know, there's nothing, there's, there's nothing better than lifting and training in the morning. And I feel, you know, you get that pump that the physical Mm -hmm. pump, 
Yeah. But when I train in the morning and then I go and I like go about my day, I feel like I can take on anything. Like I feel like I can tackle any of life's challenges because of what I did, what I was able to accomplish in the gym. And I, and I think I, I want that feeling of confidence for every woman that I meet. I love it. So it's kind of on the same vein, like who is like, what, what, what is your ideal client? Like, who are you looking to work with? Like, what does that look like? Wow. Stumped. Yeah. That's a hard question. (laughs) Um, I, Ooh, the answer to that question. It's a great question. You're good at this. I should host more podcasts. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) I'll say this. I don't know that I have an ideal client because I, every person, every athlete that I have the honor of, of working with one, they're different. They're so different. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The, the mental gymnastics in which I have to go through to shift between athletes (laughs) um is unreal they're amazing but they're very different they all need different things they all have different goals they have different personalities they have different training styles they have different coach like coaching needs there are some that they're like hey I'm doing good there are others I need to talk to them every day and and either is fine um what I will say that they do all have in common is that they want to understand the why. They're bought in to the process. Okay. They ask questions and okay. not in a challenging, like I'm challenging your ability to know this. A curiosity kind of but it's more way. so curiosity. Okay. Um, and I I think that curiosity in any health behavior again, just allows you to feel empowered and be autonomous in your health decision-making. Um, and we're, we're very much talking about the sport of weightlifting and the competitiveness and being an athlete. But at the end of the day, these are health behavior choices. True. You are choosing to do physical activity. Correct. Albeit at a very structured high level. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you're doing physical activity, which are going to have health outcomes for you later on in life. And so one of the things that they all have in common is that they are curious. And Mm -hmm. I I think that that is um, one thing that I really look for is someone that's going to want to know the why and they're they're gonna want to be, they're they're invested Mm -hmm. um, and they, they, they want to do this for the long run, right? It's not just about this quick, I want to be successful overnight. Um, I will say that that's probably one of my biggest turnoffs are the people that um, I want to lose weight overnight. I'm coming to you, nutrition coach. I want to sign up because I want to lose 30 pounds by my vacation next month. Well, that's that's much more of a um, a client who's kind of looking to develop positive habits and mm-hmm. growth and again be able to I'm as much as I'm sure it's hard eventually it's you want that client to not be a client per se yeah. but be able to navigate all using what you've taught them 
and be autonomous and be able to navigate the challenges that life faces them, that everything that they may go through and be able to not now, but maybe in five years, you know, be able to work through a mindset of they change jobs and they've got new, Mm -hmm. you know, hours. And how does that work with, you know, evolving or they're now married and they're working with their husband on a new daily schedule or whatever that is. So Mm -hmm. being able to make them very self have a lot of self-efficacy and be able to literally give them skills for life. Yeah. I want, it's, it sounds crazy, but I really want every single one of my clients to not need me. And, and that's, that's a terrible business model. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I want them to work with me because they enjoy my personality and all of the things all of those, but I want them to be autonomous. I want them to be able to do it and feel confident that they can do it. And for me, that again, means I've done, I've done my job. You've done your job as a coach. I mean, that is probably the best feeling in the entire world is to have an athlete be like, I'm sorry, but it's not you. It's me. We're breaking up because I don't. (laughs) Yeah. I don't need you. Yeah. It's, I don't need you anymore, but like, I'm sure like as sad as those days are, you're like, I've done my job. Like I have got them to their goal, their why, um, their level of comfort with mental work, with physical, with everything. And they feel that they can navigate this on their own, which is, says a huge, huge congratulations, a huge pat on your back for what you've do with all your athletes. So, um, I'll say one other thing. I'll say one other thing. One other thing that I, I, all of my athletes and clients have in common. And one thing that I really look for are people that are willing to do the honest work inside. Um, interesting. Be honest with themselves. Okay. When we're making behavior change choices, and I see this more in, um, nutrition coaching, but it applies to athletes that are training as well you're not going to just wake up overnight and just because you hire a coach, all of a sudden you're going to reach your goal. In my, in my application for coaching, it also, it actually says my job as the coach is support, guidance, provide you tools, but you are the captain of your own ship. I can't, I cannot make you do the training. I cannot make you do your flexibility work. I cannot make you go to bed on time. I cannot make you prep your meals when you need to. I cannot make you adhere to a certain macro profile or track or log or anything. I cannot make you do those things. I can educate you. I can provide support. I can provide tough love. I can provide skills, resources, but ultimately I can't make you do it. And what I have found is that the the clients, the athletes that are willing to dig deep and be honest with themselves about the work that they're doing and the work that they're not doing, those are the ones that have found success. The ones that are, I'm tired, I don't want to do this, this is hard, this is this is not working as fast as I thought. Um, the the it's not linear. And they're still sticking with it and they're still showing up for themselves over and over and over again, making those hard decisions. Those are the ones that are achieving success. And those are the, that's the ideal client for me. Um, and, and those are the ones that I think I enjoy working with the most. I was going to say, I feel like that 
it's hard. I feel like putting yourself first sometimes is the hardest thing to do is, you know, putting the steps for your health first, whether that be meal prepping on a Saturday or a Sunday, or making sure you're going to bed or scheduling your workouts and then scheduling the rest of your life around that. But I feel like some of that is the hard, the hard and honest part of like, is that, am I willing to be slightly selfish and be able to show up for myself first before I show up for the rest of the world? Because if the, if I don't have myself at hundred percent, then I'm not showing up honestly for anybody else. So I feel like that's like the hard part is that honesty with yourself. It is. It is. Yeah. And I, you know, we, we all go through it and, and yeah. I try to be very real and open and transparent with, with, with my clients. Like, you know, I've struggled with, with weight loss. I've struggled with not being able to train. I've struggled with injury. And so yeah. I'm not speaking from a, a, a high shelf looking down, like I'm in the trenches with you yeah. in learning to navigate. I have a coach. Coaches need coaches. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have a coach that's telling that tells me like, Hey, you, you said this was your goal, but this is what I, these are your actions and your actions aren't aligning with your goals. So right. let's make some decisions. Have your goals changed or do your actions need to change? Yeah. Either one is fine, but we need to make a decision. We need to be honest about that decision. And I think that that's something that I really try to, to share with my athletes and be transparent and vulnerable and let them see that it's not, you don't just become a coach or you don't just get to a level in which you just like level up and you never experiencing challenges ever again. We all go through those, those challenges. And and I think allowing them to see that vulnerability uh, helps as well. I feel like basically sharing your story with your athletes just is so impactful and sharing and being able to share it to the listeners, even of the podcast, like being able to be vulnerable and say, like, I've dealt with weight, weight issues. I mean, you and I have talked about it. I've dealt with eating disorders. It's, we both dealt with injuries. We both dealt with a lot of, you know, things that didn't go your way, which you thought one, like this, you're like, I have my goal was this, but this happened. And it's like, okay, how do you readjust? And you know, letting people know that you, you have some of those tough times, but you know, there's skills and tools you can use to get through those times is, is cool. And just being able to give that back or pay it forward to the next client or person to give those tools is amazing. So readjustment um, is not failure. No. And that, I think that takes a lot to understand is it's, again, I think it's the, what is it? Progress over perfection. I think people expect like you're going to hit the weights are always going to feel this way, or the macros are always going to look like this. And, um, being like, okay, I, it was my husband's birthday today. Today's I enjoyed dinner with my husband was more important than the macro for that one meal. And like, being able to find balance in all of it and that you're working towards that goal, but it doesn't have to be perfect every day. And, um, it, you know, some days my exercise might be a 15 minute swim in the pool and not weights, or it might just be walking my dog (laughs) and like being okay with like, I moved my body. I got my heart rate up. I moved and that's okay today where I feel like it used to be. I had to lift this. I had to do this. And I feel like that mindset takes a lot of work, a lot of help from friends (laughs) and help from, you know, really good friends and really good coaches. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'll go with both. I did not do any of that, but that is, 
you know, being able to work with somebody. So when you're working with people, like, is it, do you find a lot of like your communication is like over the phone? Is it text? Is it documenting in an app? Like how, how does that work? Are you having them write down their goals? Are they kind of working through what are their values? What are their whys with you? Like, how does that, like, how's that go? Man, um, it's a combination of all of those things that you just said. And that actually drives me insane. I really would love all of my communication to be in a nice form, um, tucked in an email that is in a database that I can control F and find things. But that's not how life works. That's not how humans work. That's not how human behavior works. And so I have understood that human behavior and health and behavior change is messy. And thus communication sometimes gets a little messy. Okay. I have, I for, very formally do use um, two apps. I use True Coach for uh, weightlifting programming and um, disseminating that programming, providing videos and feedback and things like that. And then I use Avatar, Avatar Nutrition for my mm-hmm. nutrition coaching, um, tracking, sending notes, leaving myself notes, um, and just keeping uh, monitoring what is happening with my nutrition okay. clients. Um, outside of that, I do a lot of video feedback um, with a couple of apps that I use. Um, but my at and I, I I can only get away with this because I keep my client lists very very small. Um, but if a client needs me and it's urgent, they have my phone number. Send me a text. I have clients that DM me because <laughs> that is the age that we're in. Just I True. I'm a millennial. Did you know that? I don't think anyone knows that. I am a millennial actually, but I'm on the like outside edge looking. You're in. on like the last, like one of the last two years of that. Like. Just, I just made it into the millennials. Um, <laughs> so, so my form of communication is not DM and it drives no. me insane, but that is, that's, that's my client and my yeah. clients need to communicate with me. And if that's what they need in the moment to help make that decision, I'll do it. That's fine. Yeah. Just know that um, I do have boundaries and I don't talk to people on Sundays. And so if you send me a DM on Sunday, I'm not going to get it till Monday. Um, but yeah, communication, gets, communication gets messy. It does. Okay. Um, yeah. But I do use technology has helped. I do a lot of Zoom meetings, Zoom check-ins okay. um, with my current and active clients. Um, I do Zoom video um, coaching sessions. Um, really? Athlete will set up a Zoom um, camera and I will watch and give feedback Oops. live. Like, you know, if COVID, the pandemic taught us a lot about yeah. what we can do and how we can help support athletes who are remote, who are distant, who are training in their garage, um, who are, you know, training by themselves in a corner of a CrossFit gym. And I believe that if you want to make it work, you will. And, and so I've used a lot of those different technologies to communicate. That's awesome. Do you have clients like internationally? Like, have you gotten, like, have you started? Like, I, I guess, where's your furthest client? Like, is that, um, is there someone um, you've never met in person? Um, is there someone that I've never met in person? Mm-hmm. One. She's, okay. in, she's in the state of Washington. Okay. Um, and she was referred to me through a former client. And I believe referrals are the best form of appreciation and and gratitude. I worked with a client who I did know and I had met in person who moved to the state of Washington and I continued to support her uh, while she was there. We worked together for about a a year 
Um, and she uh, primarily was doing it to kind of get back into physical shape for the military. Uh, she reached that goal, she accomplished that goal. And then she was like, hey, I think I can do it on my own now. And I was like, I totally believe you can. And two months later, I get an email from a friend in the military also, who, okay. hey, my friend recommended me, said that you were great. I'd love to work with you. And so I actually never met with this person in person, uh, met with them via Zoom every other week, coached them for about seven months, same okay. exact types of goals. We got them back into physical shape to pass the military test, but she also wanted to do some nutrition coaching um, to kind of get back into a body weight after the pandemic that she felt good about. And yeah, I worked with her for about seven, I want to say about seven months, um, never met her in person, uh, never, you know, seen the physical, but, but she did well. And, you know, she, we're no longer working together, uh, but she actually about two weeks ago, sent me a follow-up email and said, Hey, after Christmas, I'd like to get into weightlifting. Um, she's doing some traveling between now and then, but she's like, Hey, I just wanted to kind of get that on your radar. So there, you know, Washington, the state of Washington, I haven't gone international yet. Okay. One day, but soon, but soon. <laughs> I know we've talked a lot about, um, and I, we did this before we even started recording. But we talked a lot about, and we've talked a lot about the physical benefits. But you know, maybe let's just touch a little bit on like the mental benefits and some of the, you know, I know your research. A lot of your research is in on um, physical activity and exercise to improve mental health, and a lot of your passion lies in that. So, touch a little bit on how that relates into the program or what you found in your research? Yeah, um, so I'll, I'll tackle the research. Um, exercise, physiology, specifically resistance training, um, okay. but some aerobic training, but looking at the impact of exercise as an adjunct of therapy for clinical mental illness, uh, specifically with depression. But we do know that depression kind of coexists a lot with anxiety and anxiety symptoms. Um, and so really looking at, we, we're very clear in, in the research that exercise impacts positively uh, depressive symptoms. We, so we know the what, exercise, move your body more, depression so symptoms uh, decrease. Interestingly enough, a recent systematic review meta-analysis showed that in clinical patients, that decrease or that impact is actually more significant than in non-clinical uh, or, or subclinical populations. And that just basically yes. means diagnosis versus not diagnosed. So you may have okay. mild symptoms, but you haven't received a diagnosis as having a clinical depressive Precious. disorder. Okay. Um, so we know that exercise, so we know the what. We know that exercise uh, helps improve cognitive function, learning, memory, all of those things, reduces stress, reduces anxiety, but we don't know how. We're still learning. We still, okay. we're, still, we're still learning. We're not there yet. Yeah, we're, we, we've, we've had some really good researchers. Um, Suzanne and Otto do, did a clinical trial on exercise in major depression disorder and, and looked at the um, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is basically a protein in the brain that impacts cognitive function, memory, long-term um, long term memory. And they were looking to see the, the how, like, is there a connect, like, what is the way, what is the pathway, the neural pathway uh, between exercise 
in the outcome of depressive symptoms. And there's this idea that this protein, uh, BDNF for short, that uh, is found in the hippocampus and again, responsible for learning, the, that protein, um, the presence of that protein increases with exercise. And so there's, there are some hypotheses out there that that is the pathway, right? Um, but, and I talk about research a lot and the strength of research and like what we say and, and our language is very important. That study was a clinical trial with like 30 people in it. Um, and so, and, and so like I say, it's a hypothesis, it's a, it's a theory, it's a possibility, but we don't really know yet. And so a lot of my research is really looking at the, the how and the okay. dose response effect. Um, my PhD is in exercise physiology and public health. And the public health side of the family says, move more, sit less, all is well, right? And so when we look at health promotion in mental health or for those with mental illness, we say, move your body, just go out and do some physical activity. And when you tell someone who is not physically active to move more, what are they gonna do? They're gonna walk. They're gonna walk 10 minutes and they're gonna say, I did some physical activity. I did right. the thing, right? Um, versus the exercise science side of the house or the, the physiology side of the house says, we need 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity <laughs> um, <laughs> and strength training two to three times a week and flexibility training most times of the, the week. And it has to reach this intensity level in order to actually have these health outcomes, um, these health benefits. And so here I am in the middle that says, <laughs> can we just agree that moving more with some level of intensity and intentionality is important to reduce, reducing these symptoms? And so I, I, I always joke to say, like, I'm like the, the stepchild in the middle that's like, hey, family, can we play nice? Um, and so I'm really looking at more specific uh, dose response relationships and intensity levels when it comes to health promotion in clinical mental health practices. And that's what my dissertation was all about. <laughs> and how do you see that? You see that, I see that as you've described, um, move and build, those are some of the foundations to get people into um, that starting to progress if they were to have um, depressive symptoms, anxiety, any of those, they, these programs could also help with that if it's intentionally moving. I feel like the big word in there is doing stuff with intention. Yes. Um, sometimes just walking. And for some people, don't get me wrong, if you are out there and you're walking and you haven't been walking, amazing. Congratulations. Keep it up. I will cheer for you. But the next step is moving and doing that with intention. And like you said, and then moving weights intentionally and doing stuff. So I feel like that is a huge, huge part is like you said, adding kind of blending the two worlds would be doing stuff with intention. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and so when you talk about exercise science and the, the public health side, right? Like what we're doing over in exercise physiology labs and we're testing dose response relationships and we're looking at different exercise modalities and the impact that it has on all the all of these health outcomes and you know how much exercise is needed to actually see the, but if people aren't doing it it right. doesn't matter right Correct. if if, yeah. if people aren't moving if they're not willing to adhere to a program yeah. if they're not willing to 
you know, get up and adjust their lifestyle and their mindset to actually doing what we're finding in the exercise phys labs, does it even matter? Yeah. And so the same same goes for like my patients in the pharmacy. Like if you're not willing, if they don't take the medicine, like it may not work. Like this symptom may not improve. And like, we are constantly judged in pharmacy as making sure the patient's adherent to it. So a lot of the work is, is the same as like, what is their goals? What is their mindset? If it doesn't align to why they're taking the medicine, sometimes they're going to be like, I forgot today. It yeah. didn't matter. Yeah. And there's, um, there's a couple of studies. Uh, I was just reading one that poor adherence to medications is actually um, related to poor exercise adherence as well. So those that are not, those are, those that are more likely to not take their medications are also more likely to not exercise at the prescribed intensity. Um, and so like, yeah, anecdotally, like that's like, duh, but like the research shows, especially yeah. in patients with like cardiovascular disease, um, those, those people that are coming out of like, or, or have metabolic disease, metabolic syndromes, mm-hmm. things like that. Like if they're not taking the prescribed medication, they're also not going to do the exercise program that you prescribed to them. Yeah. Um, and so there's a part of that that is looking at understanding some of the psychological aspects, the neurological aspects. Um, and you you asked the question about what do we know about the psychological aspects of training? Um, and a lot of what I teach in my program, in the Optimized Strength Framework, in my workshops, in my, my um, research projects is building adherence, building self-efficacy, and it's not always about training to failure. It's about being consistent in a range that is stimulating a, a muscle growth response um, that makes us feel good, that not, not easy, makes us feel good and accomplished. Yeah. Um, and if we can incorporate that in our training, then we'll see that the improved psychological um, effects, mindset, um, self-efficacy, confidence, um, body satisfaction. Um, there's a couple of others that are escaping me at the moment, but those are, those are, that's kind of like what I'm building into. When you look at those different tiers of the framework, um, we're building in those different psychological components as well. That's, that is it, the whole thing is just so fascinating to me, the whole world, the whole human body, the human mind, and how these, skills that are often like you've said many a times overlooked and underappreciated undertaught um mm-hmm. oh, undervalued um even like as growing up like I feel like you've never got the simply some some patients don't know what a carbohydrate is more or less how many carbs how many fats how many um protein how much protein do they need in their diet really just how much protein they need um to feel good, how to move their body appropriately, um, how to pick up something off the ground, how to squat, how to hinge. Um, but you're just, you know, some of these skills, like how to sleep. I always tell people skill. I feel like sleeping is a skill. Nutrition is a skill. Um, your mindset is a skill. And a lot of this stuff is stuff that you're never, you're never taught. They assume, you know, and so I love how you've built this all into this like little frame, beautiful little framework, um, to give, clients these skills so that truly movement is medicine and everything in your program is helping them with current situations or future situations that may arise. 
Yeah. Yeah. I have some other fun questions for you that are kind of more like laid back. Sure. Like, what do you, are you, what are you doing for fitness these days? And I know the question you get often and I'll just ask it. Are you planning on, what is your goals for competing? Because everyone uh, wants to know. What is a competition? Uh, the what last is a competition? Year, the last time I competed, <clears throat> 2019, 2019, 2020, okay. maybe. Um, that was the last time I enjoyed competing. And I tell athletes to saw the time when they ask, how often should I compete? And I say, as often as you enjoy. Yeah. Until you, I until love you, that. I love until that. Until you get into an elite, uh, elite athlete status where you're trying to make a team, then you compete as much as you need to. But Correct. for the recreational athlete, you compete as much as you enjoy. And one thing that I did, I wasn't as open about, I shared this with my coach and, and my close circle is I got to a point where I just didn't enjoy competing anymore. I didn't enjoy putting on the singlet, going out on the platform, doing all of the, the things to compete. Um, and I think that is so important. That's such a psychological mindset, like that, that mindset of like competing, hyping yourself up it's taxing. It's mentally taxing. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah. Um, your hormone level, like all of the things. And so what I didn't realize is that I thought that I just didn't like competing anymore. And this is kind of where the optimized strength framework started. It started with me, my life shift. I was in PhD program. I was selling my house, moving, changing job. Like I was doing all these things. And I wondered I, it never occurred to me that all of these things in my life that was changing impacted my ability, my capacity to really focus on competing. And mm -hmm. I was still trying to force myself to train to compete. And so yeah. I, I just, I was like, I don't want to do any of it. I just, I'm, I'm done. And I threw in the towel. Um, to answer your question, I have agreed to compete in the spring of 2023. Um, I need to make it through a whole training cycle. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> For those that don't know, I just, I just picked up a barbell and put it over my head today for the first time in like a month. Um, because I had a pinched nerve and I was seeing a PT who was absolutely amazing and incredible and all the things, but we had to take a step back and we had to rebuild some things in order to get me back to moving overhead. I did so pain-free relatively well today, um, but I don't know that Danny Camargo will let me go another full year without competing. And I'm actually finally back in a place where I'm enjoying training. I'm enjoying the idea of competing. And so we have decided that I'm going to find something in the spring okay. um, to do. I love, and love. I'm excited about that. Yay. I love that. I can't wait. I will be there with bells and whistles on, oh, on the side, I promise. Now um, that I've said it out loud. <laughs> now that you've said it, it's on, it's recorded. Um, this may actually be a total question off for another but do you ever feel like your, your identity is tied to being an athlete or a competitor? And how does that go when like things happen, like injuries and stuff like that? This may actually be a whole nother. That is, a, that is an entire <laughs> whole big question. We can skip. We can that's skip. That's an entire podcast. I think we just found our next podcast that okay. we'll record Valid. in a week. Okay, great. Um, to answer your question though, for a very long time, yes. Yeah. Yes. Like my identity was tied to being an athlete. Okay. And when I couldn't train in the way that I wanted to train, 
that impacted me big time psychologically. I was, I was depressed. I was sad. I was depressed. I couldn't function in other areas of my life because I felt like my identity as an athlete was now compromised. And so what else did I have? Um, and there were some things that I did and some, some evidence-based skills that I learned that allowed me to detach my identity from being an athlete, but athletic identity is a really um, interesting concept. And again, like, I think you just found our next conference. I was going to say, that's probably something that you probably work through with clients. If you have somebody like transitioning, um, maybe from an elite level down, or they played in college and now they're getting back into sport. How does that look like? I could see that being a a big topic with a lot of your clients. Cause I'm going to guess some have been prior athletes at higher levels yeah. or working up towards being higher levels. So yeah. how do you separate the two? Yeah. So, um, another question on a good knock, what have you been doing for fun? I know you're super busy with being, um, this lecturer at UCF and <laughs> developing optimized strength and training and te- teaching a bunch of USAW courses all over the country. So, what else do you do? <laughs> when do you sleep? <laughs> when do I say I actually don't sacrifice my sleep for anything? That's probably <laughs> that is the thing that I do not do. And I learned that from my husband. When I when we first started, when we got married, I that man can sleep. And I never really <laughs> understood. I would I would always just like get at him. I'm like, why are you taking a nap? Why are you sleep? How are you like how do you sleep so long? Yeah. And here we are, we've been married, um, for many, many years now and just had an anniversary. Congratulations. (laughs) Yes. We just celebrated our wedding anniversary and I have learned from him the importance of sleep. I don't sacrifice my sleep for anything. I am in bed by nine or 10 o'clock every single night, including the weekends. And if I, if I don't get into bed by nine or 10 o'clock, I'm the next day is just not gonna be good. It's not gonna be good for anyone. (laughs) nobody wins on this (laughs) no one wins when I don't go to bed between nine and ten I I sleep I will not sacrifice my sleep um and so what do I do for fun I sleep because that is so much fun to me um I enjoy sleeping um I I also this is gonna sound very cheesy everything that I do is exactly what I dreamed of doing and it is exhausting, but it never feels like work. It feels like so much fun. Yeah. Um, And that doesn't say that some days I don't wake up and I'm like, I just want to stay in bed and I don't want to go. I don't want a human. I'm, I'm a extreme introvert. I don't want to be outside peopling. There's people out there and I don't want to people. But the work that I do, whether it's in the classroom or in the gym or on this podcast or teaching, I love it. And to yeah. me, it is rewarding and it is in so much fun. Like I love getting there and just helping people and seeing them make so much progress. And so I guess, I guess when you say fun, that that's fun. That's fun, that's oh, fun to me. I would say that's rewarding. Yeah. I can see, you can see it. Like, I know every time I talk to you, it's always like, if we get so excited about stuff, you can see the, the passion coming out and like literally like a soul shine of like joy of what you're doing and how you're doing it and the impact. So I, I, it is as cheesy as it may sound. And it's, it's a hundred percent truth. Like I, as a friend, it is a hundred percent truth. You can tell that you totally love it. I honestly thought you were going to also mention, don't forget to mention Levi and Simba that taking videos and watching those two um, 
terrorize <laughs> each other <laughs> can sometimes be fun or well, exhausting. I just, well, I, I just had to pull one of them off the, the screen, the patio screen, because he was chasing a lizard and then didn't know how to jump down. So I do have two kitty guys that I absolutely love and adore. And um, sure. they, they do bring me a lot of good laughs um, when they're not terrorizing each other. So last question I'm going to go with is, what do you wish your younger self knew? That What would you tell your younger self if you had a moment to talk to like a younger version of yourself? Jess, are you, sure, are you sure you've never done this? Never done it, never. <laughs> <laughs> what would I tell my younger self? Any advice, anything you would give? That you absolutely are worth it. You are worth it, you're capable. Um, and do not allow anyone else to convince you otherwise. I spent a lot of time in my youth feeling like I didn't deserve things, that I wouldn't accomplish something, that I wasn't good enough, that whatever that thing, that dream, that that that, that goal was too far, that, that was for someone else. Someone else is gonna do that. Um, and it, it was in my adult life, probably like 20 minutes ago. No, um, it wasn't until <laughs> recently that I realized that I am capable. I am very much capable. Um, I was having a conversation with a colleague of mine and there's this weird, um, I'm not going to call it imposter syndrome. It's this, it's this weird, um, you got to navigate. I am capable, I am competent, I am prepared, I'm skilled, I'm knowledgeable, have experience, yet there's so much that I don't know. Valid. There, there oh, is yeah. So, yeah, much so much that I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. There is so much out there that I'm still curious about. And, and it's hard to, Balance. it's an and, yeah. You know, it's, it's a, I'm capable, I'm skilled, I'm prepared. I did this. I I'm, I'm ready. I can do these things. And there is still so much that I don't know. I love that. I so love that. That is so true. And so, so impactful that, yeah, there is that I I'm, I'm enough at where I am now, but there is also so much more that I can learn and be curious about that can not make me it can give me more to who I am, more depth, but I'm always going to be enough no matter where I'm at at that point. Yeah. So I love it. Well, thanks for being on your own podcast. <laughs> thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks for entertaining my, um, my random, my randomness. I think I shot you a text on a random, like Sunday morning. And I was like, so Jess, can you, can you host my podcast? And also I'd like to do it on this day, but also I'm going out of town for the whole weekend. And also <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you like to do with that, Jess? <laughs> um, and then I responded two days later and we were totally adults about if, if it takes a day or two or three or four to respond, it's, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I really appreciate your friendship and this means the world to me. I couldn't think of anyone that I would rather ho have host this episode um, to talk about the, the launch of my my brand and, and optimize strength, because honestly, you were the person that I reached out to at 
you know, ungodly hours to be like, hey, what about this color? <laughs> hey, can you take a look at this? Um, and so I really appreciate your friendship and value that. Um, and I and I know we're going to do some great things in the future. Yeah. Yes. Got some, some workshops and some things coming up. So why don't you tell everyone where they can find your new website and let them know so they can check out the colors and all the beautiful branding. And uh, it looks gorgeous, by the way. Like, I was so excited to see it. And I know you were too. I was. They did amazing. So first yes. of all, Brent, I have to give a shout out to Brent Creative Co. Um, her team is absolutely amazing. They did the entire rebrand for Optimize Strength and my entire website. And it was more than I could have ever dreamed that it could be. Um, it totally embodies who I am, what I want my business to be. Um, I'm also a keynote speaker and a consultant, and they were able to incorporate that in a way that made sense. And yeah. I just, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful um, for the opportunity to work with them, but you can go to www.optimizestrength.co. That is optimizestrength.co. Um, in there has links to my podcast, my blog, coaching services, um, all of the things that I'm doing. You can find Optimize Strength on Instagram at Optimize Strength, um, or you can connect with me directly at Anaja Newsom PhD. And that's where they apply for coaching if they were inter interested in the program? They also? can they can connect with any okay. of those things. Uh, there's a link in bio, my website, all of the things. Perfect. Yeah. Well, yay. Thanks so much, Jess. You're welcome. Have a great evening. You too. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Before you sign off, if this episode was helpful for you, I'd love to hear from you. Be sure to take a moment to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review, and then share with your other strong friends. If you're looking for more podcast episodes or content on fitness, nutrition, sport performance, or if you just want to connect with me for coaching, you can head on over to my website, optimizestrength.co. Or follow me on Instagram at Anajanusam, PhD. I'd love to hear from this community. If there are topics you want to hear about or guests you'd like to hear from, drop me a note. Until next time, may your squats be strong and your lifts be big. Here's to going beyond the reps and getting to the strength in the details.